Amen. You may be seated. We're always overjoyed when we have friends on our campus. Yes, and as we celebrate this wonderful occasion to remember the Reverend Dr. Irving Kingsley Bailey, we're excited to have our guests on campus on today. In the spring of 1980, Dr. Bailey took the pulpit at the Carpet Collins Chapel on the campus of Bishop College. And he borrowed a line. One of our professors here will enjoy hearing this name from Tertullian, where he raised the question, what does Athens have to do with Jerusalem? And he commenced to preach that day in chapel. Our preacher is that kind of person, Reverend Dr. Freddie James Clark who blends Athens and Jerusalem, the academic and the dynamics of the spirit. Receive him this morning as our guest. We're grateful to have him here. Thank you, Dr. Clark, for putting us on the schedule to be our guest here at Truett Theological Seminary. Pastor Clark. Good morning, I am uh, extremely honored to be here on today and to, to share in this uh, citywide Holy Week service that honors the memory of Dr. E. K. Bailey. Um, and to uh, uh, have this privilege to be around the likes of Pastor Ralph Douglas West and uh, Dr. Jill Gregory uh, to our Dean, uh, uh, Dr. Steele and to all of you who are present today, other faculty and staff and student body. I uh, stood here last night not really knowing what to expect and I think we messed around and had church. Yeah, uh, one or two people started hollering back at me. And uh, I said, that sounds familiar. And I went with uh, the uh, familiar and I trust that uh, it was a blessing to those who were present last night as it was to me. And uh, I'm grateful again to have this, uh, this privilege. Uh, so today I solicit your prayers. Uh, this passage of scripture that's found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, the nine verses, uh, we will read verses one to nine. Now the Passover in the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him but not during the festival they said oh, the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper a woman came with a 
alabaster jar, very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you have with you always. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Amen. This concludes our reading. This is the word of God. I believe it's true. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I lift as a theme to guide our preaching this morning when your worship is noticed. <laughs> when, when, when your worship is noticed. We just celebrated Palm Sunday, uh, where Jesus' entry into Jerusalem before his arrest and trial and crucifixion. Yeah. Palm branches were waved and placed on the road before his donkey and a cheering crowd. That Palm Sunday really sets the tone for Holy Week with his emphasis on the redeeming death of Jesus Christ. There were a lot of things that happened the last week in the life of Jesus, one of which is the anointing of Jesus at Bethany. That Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem it is the place that's known for the death of Lazarus and his call to life, as well as the anointing of the body of Jesus as an act of worship. Some form of this story is told in all four gospels. And just as a matter of detail in Luke and John, the anointing of Jesus by the woman is before the triumphant entry. Whereas in Matthew and Mark, the anointing of Jesus by the woman is after the triumphant entry. The time is two days before the Jewish feast of the Passover. Passover is celebrated in Jerusalem. The number of people who made the annual pilgrimage for Passover was immense. Sometimes during this season, the number of people in Jerusalem were five times the normal population. That Passover is commemorated 
a commemoration of the exodus of Israel from Egypt. And in Exodus 12, the blood on the doorpost would be a sign where any destructive plague would not touch the house when the intended target was Egypt. However, now, Passover is not the only thing being observed. There is a plan by the chief priests and scribes who are looking for a way to arrest Jesus. We are shocked when we get to verse 10. We didn't read it, but I encourage you to do so and allow yourself to be shocked again when we discovered that Judas would be a part of the conspiracy to arrest Jesus. Seems as though every time I get to this season of the year, I have the same emotional setback when I discovered that Judas was a part of the conspiracy against our Lord. And it lifts for me just a question. I uh, only ask that you would ponder it Maybe after having doing, have done that, you can help me to determine what happened to Judas. Uh, how, how could you be so close and yet so far from Jesus? Yeah. Maybe it's the same question that I have about people who are part of God's family who find themselves at the altar dying. And so here we are met with these certain complexities. And even so, this story about this woman uh, that is sandwiched between these two bookends provide us with an opportunity to move toward a practice of deeper devotion to Jesus Christ. There is a, a woman who enters the house of Simon the leper carrying a long-necked alabaster flask. In Matthew and Mark, she is nameless. In Luke, she is the woman who lived a sinful life. In John, she is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Maybe her identity is not as settled as her action. In all accounts, her action was that she took an alabaster flask broke it open and poured its content on the head of Jesus as he reclined at the table. Several things I want to lift and then I'll take my seat. Uh, first, it's clear that she is intentional about her act of worship toward Jesus. She is moving with the swiftness of purpose going directly to Jesus 
with this spike nod that she opens and she uses the content on him. The aroma fills the room and the scent is identified. This is spikenard. This comes from the honeysuckle family, uh, which grows in the Himalayas of Naples and China and India. The oil has been used for centuries as a perfume. And some have thought that this was this woman's diary, her, her savings, that this was her security, that this was her inheritance. In other words, this jar of spikenard ointment was the only thing that she really had of value. And she poured its content on Jesus. She may have been thinking, according to her worship, only the best for Jesus as it relates to worship. I was watching uh, public television. Um, if you haven't gone there yet, maybe you should. They have some excellent programming. Um, and uh, this particular show, it was the, the trade show uh, where people bring their valuables in and somebody measures, measures it to see uh, what, in fact, if it's worth anything. And this woman had uh, wanted to see what the value of a bracelet was that her husband got her years ago. I think she said that he purchased this bracelet for her somewhere in the uh, year of 1974. And uh, she didn't know the value of it, but she knew that he purchased it from Tiffany's. As the appraiser went through all of the details of the jewelry, uh, talking about this small diamond and this stone that could have been a birthstone. She finally told the woman that the bracelet was currently worth $50,000 or more, at which when the woman heard that, she just about fainted. That the Tiffany brand that has been around a long time is, is a uh, quintessence of luxury, uh, excellent in craftsmanship and uses nothing but high quality material. And so that I wonder if you've ever been brought into the true value of something, something that you've been around for a long time but you've never noticed or understood the value of it until your eyes were open and your, and with that your heart was completely changed. That I think what happened to this woman, she understood the value of Jesus. And then she moved to demonstrate her love and devotion through an act of worship. 
that the woman saw the reality of Jesus' circumstance and moved to address it in love. She saw his incredible responsibility of suffering and she, and she did what she could. That's what the text says. And she did what she could. That she was intentional about her act of worship. There's something else here, that while she was intentional about her act of worship, there were other moves that would suggest that her act of worship uh, should receive from them accusations about waste. That some of those who were present was saying indignantly to one another, why is this perfume being wasted? Uh, there is this mounting protest in the room because of how her resources were used. That uh, They said it could have been used for a greater purpose like serving the poor that this perfume could have been sold and the money shared with the poor. Now, the interjection of poverty, brothers and sisters, is a bit disingenuous because their concern was neither for Jesus or the poor. That in 1964, LBJ launched what was coined Warm Poverty looking for a more equitable and just country. That at the time, 20% of the country was living in poverty. And this was seen as a moral and social failure. But as you well know, the, that poverty is a human-made phenomena, and humans can fix it. That in our world, there are many faces of poverty. It is taken the recent crisis that we've just come through, this COVID crisis, for everyone to look behind the curtain and see that poverty is not equally distributed. That there are structural pressures and personal re responsibilities that can lead one to living in poverty. There are social constructs that are against minorities that certainly lead to poverty. According to the U.S. Census, there are at least 42 million people living below the poverty line. The black people face a whole range of institutional and structural obstacles that make it hard to escape poverty. There are inequalities in education and discrimination in the workplace, high incarceration rates, all of which keep wheels turning without going anywhere. There should be a system, brothers and sisters, that work for everyone, that everyone should be able to make a living wage that everyone should have health care, 
Even education should be affordable. I knew where I was coming and there might be some students present, so I even interjected this. <laughs> that, it, that it ought to be against the law to participate in high education and spend the rest of one's life trying to pay that bill. Also, we need to understand that Jesus really never neglected the poor. Jesus always took care of the least of these amongst us, and he continues to do so. That the protest in the text witnessed the woman's worship and saw it as waste. You have probably heard their disdaining remarks and resistance to total praise in places of worship. <clears throat> that, for instance, uh, the African-American worship experience uh, can get a little loud at times. Oh, n that's not true. It is loud all of the time. Uh, that there is a sense that nothing is happening if the silence is not filled with some noise. And uh, um, we kind of justify it by calling it joyful noise. And, and in that, brothers and sisters, there are some people who are sincere in their worship. And that is really all that they have. It, it's what sustains them uh, every day of their lives. And so they come through the door ready to do what you call praise the Lord. And uh, there's sometimes nothing happening in the service and you'll hear them holler out. I, 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 have, I have come to look for those persons in worship, especially when I'm not sure of myself. If, uh, I, I look for that kind of affirmation, that kind of encouragement. In, in worship, but on the other side of that, you have those who are antagonistic toward those who are extremely vocal. And uh, their comments go something like this. Uh, uh, you know it don't take all that. Uh, uh, and uh, they would back that up with saying, you know, this is really getting on my nerves. And, uh, and then they text across the room to other friends who feel the way they do. And they say something like uh, in that text message, I wish they would sit down. Uh, that that uh, it doesn't look like worship to me is their argument. That looks like a waste. That, that uh, uh, our, our, our time has become a place where where we move toward doing as little as possible. Uh, just a little service. Just a little singing. Just a little sacrifice. And just a little shouting. That's all we need to satisfy our appetite. That's on the other side of the coin. Uh, I have you know, brothers and sisters, that every time uh, uh, little gets in the way, 
it's hard to muster up a real basic attempt at giving God your best in worship because there are those who start to really intimidate and shame those who are vocal in their approach to God. In one of the Apollo projects, someone looked inside the capsule and asked the astronaut that would get ready to take off, well, how do you feel? And with a grin, one of them replied, it really makes you think twice in here when you realized everything in this whole project was constructed according to the lowest bid. <laughs> and so that's the way a lot of people live their lives according to the lowest bid. And sadly, that's how many of us really show love to our Lord by the lowest bid. That is until we need him to come through. And I'm here to testify that uh, life might be good today, but today is not permanent. There's a day that's tailor-made for you where only the Lord's presence will help bring you through. Yeah, and so this last thing that I would say before I take my seat, that Jesus after hearing the accusers of the waste of the perfume on him, he rebuked them. He rebuked them and, uh, and then gave her a place of constant observation, of constant praise. First, Jesus says, leave her alone. She is preparing me for my burial. Uh, she may not have been able to stop the plotting of those who were attempting to kill him, but she could do what she could. And that's what life really comes down to. Life comes down to our doing what we can do. And when you do what you can do, you can't really do anymore. You're already at your level best when you do what you can do. And and what she did was a demonstration of extravagance in her worship. This was an extravagant form of worship. Praise is her name. And so, you know, in Mark, the woman moved past all of her critics and blessed the Lord. That's not easy to do. One would have to really be intentional about your worship to move past your critics because we live in spaces where everybody wants to be in, in good harmony with everybody else, and that's extremely hard to do. In Luke, the woman has uh, been forgiven much, and that becomes the, the place of her worship, that the Lord has met her at her place of pain, and so she at times at this time became overwhelmed in her expression to him. You know, when I'm uh, traveling the country and I'm in worship places, I could normally spot the worshipers, those who have been in difficult places and the Lord brought them out to, uh, and nobody else could do it. It's interesting that, that trouble for some doesn't bring friends to you. 
uh, friends move away from you if they have to give of themselves to get you out of certain situations. And so this, this woman in Luke experienced the forgiveness of the Lord and was overwhelmed. And her praise demonstrated, her worship demonstrated her level of appreciation. I've been there. I'm not by myself in this room. That when you've been forgiven much, your, your thank you is much. When nothing else can help, I, I, I'm, I'm lifting my voice now. Yeah, love lifted. And then his love is able to keep. His love is able to preserve. And so when you get to John, if this is Mary, the sister Martha, I can't help but think about uh, when he was reclining at their house and Martha was paying attention to duty while her sister found a place at the foot of Jesus, uh, making sure that she was capturing his every word. And in that text, uh, he has to say to Martha, leave her alone. And so if this is the same Mary, then he comes to her defense a second time with leave her alone. Oh, it's amazing when you have Jesus as your protector. I honor him today. And then if the circumstances was that her brother is at the table, as John Gospel says, with her, uh, who wouldn't in your grief have God to visit you and you not respond in ways that are uncharacteristic to your personality. And some people claim that I, I can't shout because it ain't in my personality. Well, shouting is outside of your personality. Shouting comes as a result of recognizing that what has been done for me, nobody else could have done it. But the Lord did it. Praise his high name. And then Jesus says, whenever the gospel is preached, this story will be told. Why? Because I believe that this story is an example of true worship. And in response to all Jesus has done for you and I, I want you to know his every move was costly. Yeah, his every move went against tradition. And some see it as a waste. Uh, but it's not a waste. It, it's, it's really worship. And then Jesus dies on the cross. That's costly. Hallelujah. And, 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 and then he did it just for you and me. And so later on uh, in this week, we'll all be praising his name because the unthinkable happened. Not only did he die, but he got up. With all power, heaven and earth in his hands. I'm glad about that. I'm glad that he got up. Hallelujah. That, that, that I get a chance to see the power of resurrection. Not just in Jesus, but the power of resurrection that constantly happens in my own life and yours. And he got up. But that's our song too. That, that we got up 
that we are living examples of the resurrection. That all of us have had resurrection accounts in our life. I'm through, but I feel all right. I heard the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain. And he washed. Yeah, 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 yeah. He washed at white as snow. I'm finished, but I feel all right. Bless his high name. Bless his high name. And so she poured um, uh, that ointment on his head. And, uh, uh, you know, that's what she brought to worship. Because in worship, you always bring something with you. Yeah, in worship, you always bring something to give him. And it's interesting that what she put on him also uh, was on her. And so after the worship, because worship ain't over just because you give the benediction. Yeah, to understand that I'm still in worship has kept me from uh, using profanity sometimes. Because I remember I'm still in worship. And so the fragrance that was on Jesus was also on her. And so somebody must have asked her, what's that scent you wearing? And she says that it's the scent of worship. 